0: Hi, and welcome to this special edition of the VFX Show. Uh, this week, we're looking at love, death, and robots, but we have two uh, special guests, a uh, contributor and and key creative in the process, and what I'm going to describe as a super fan, but I'm going to get to those in one second. Let's uh, quickly welcome our uh, normal uh, uh, hosts. Matt, how are you?
1: Uh, I'm doing great here in Richmond, Virginia.
0: Excellent. And Jason over in New York, how are you, mate?
2: Doing great here in Queens, New York, home of the Ramones.
0: And uh, and uh, let's uh, work our way up to the most important person by going to the second most important person, which is our superfan, uh, Zap. Zap is coming to us from uh, Sweden. Zap, say hello and just a quick, brief introduction of who you are.
3: Well, I'm Zap, the dumb, blonde and Swedish guy uh, working at Autodesk with rendering and stuff. And I kind of dragged... Uh, you know, up this kind of meeting because I talked to Mike and say, hey, we need to do something in Love, Death, and Robots, and maybe I could get the next guest on. And Mike was like, that's a good idea. And here we are.
0: Also, Zap, it should be said, you're a longtime friend of FX Guide, and uh, we always welcome having you uh, on. And that brings us us to Jed. Jed, hello. How are you?
4: I'm doing uh, really good here in uh, Los Angeles, California. It's very hot uh today but uh, but i'm doing great and i'm i'm super happy to uh to be here with you guys
0: oh we really appreciate it just outline for people that are listening your role on the uh anthology
4: i am the supervising creative director which means i'm um i'm part of the 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 small the small team that's kind of internal um to blur but also a little separate from uh, from from the rest of blur um it's a small creative team that just you know looks at all the work from all the companies, including Blur, but including all the other studios that have contributed to the to the anthology, and we, um, well, we we make sure that they have everything that they need to uh, be in the best conditions to uh, deliver the best uh, work that they can, and then um, you know just help them and and make sure that the um, that the quality bar is as as high as we we know it can be.
0: This is uh, season three that we're going to be primarily talking about. When did you first get involved?
4: I was I was involved. Um, I was involved since the first season. I would, once um, once the first season started to go into production, so when when uh, when the stories were ready and, um, and we were ready to uh, to just decide, okay, well, which uh, which story could, could go to to what company? There's there, It's a big puzzle uh, before we even get to production because we want you know, we want a lot of variety from like very styles and directors and and uh, and so so we have to we have to match we have like a big wall with you know usually we already have like 50 60 stories uh, to choose from and then we try to match that with a particular style and then a particular a particular company and um, so it's a bit of a puzzle at the beginning but um, but then once we have uh, once we're in touch with the um, with the companies, then um so from so that was in twenty like late twenty seventeen, beginning of uh, twenty eighteen, uh that I've been that I've been working full time on um, on all the seasons.
0: So just to set the stage for people, obviously, as I just said, uh the third volume. Um there are 18 apps in the first um nine, no, eight in the second and nine in the third, right? So I guess my first question would be like, you just said there were like 40 or 50 whatever ideas that you were trying to narrow down. and Like what is the metric that gets it to nine? Is it just nine that you guys love or is it nine because that fills up the budget or is it nine because there's some kind of minutes? Cause that's the thing about this. It's not normally like a 22 minute TV show or like a one hour uh, streaming. How do you decide on
4: nine? Well, that's an excellent question, and I'm glad you're asking it because um because we we decided to call them volumes because the first season was three hours of content, so that's why there's eighteen episodes um, The second season, which is another three hours, actually covers volume two and three and um but we decided to split it so that we could deliver the the next volume faster than, than because you know it was we could have we could have delivered all three hours of volume two and three just right now, but it would have you know it would have it would have it would have meant um waiting a little longer for the for the fans and, and people and so we kind of we kind of felt like it might be um, it might be interesting to do um, to split it into and then just two drops instead of just um uh, of just one big one you know some people get a little upset with that we point um but it's the, same, it's the same amount of work that, that went into volume two and three that went into volume one.
0: Well, Jed, we, we like on the VFX show to sort of discuss both the art and the and the craft of the shows. I'm going to start with the art and I'm just going to hit the other guys. We'll come back to you in a sec. But Zap, why would I have introduced you as a super fan <clears throat> for those that weren't reading your very uh, enthusiastic Twitter posts? Why do you like this stuff so much?
3: Uh, I. You know, I come back from the really original, you know, the magazine Heavy Metal in the 80s, which, of course, this was originally kind of supposed to be Heavy Metal. And uh, I used to read that quite... My my sister had those magazines, and I was probably too young for them, really. But, uh, you know, um, because they can be pretty explicit sometimes. And But I'm a huge fan of that style. And... Uh, of course, uh, that was, was this was supposed to be originally, then for various reasons, it turned into Love, Death and Robots instead of Heavy Metal. And uh, yeah, I, I always love this kind of mix of sci-fi slash a little bit of fantasy, uh, you know, slightly sexy, you know, and uh, uh, Love, Death and Robots has maybe a little less of the fantasy angles so far than maybe was in Heavy Metal and maybe slightly less of the sexy angle too than was in heavy metal. I I think somebody said about this season, it was more death, death and death and also robots, (laughs) Uh, but but then not so much of the other parts. Um, But yeah, and I I love the various visuals. One of my favorite things is that every episode looks completely different. It's like its own style. And that is so nice and refreshing. My eyes get bathed in something beautiful. Uh, and you never know, like, what am I going to see? Oh, it's miniature zombies, or it's the 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 pulse of the machine was one of my absolute favorite for this season because it was it just reminded me of the best of like um, you know Mobius comics like Valerian or stuff like that, and it was like just pure art. And yeah, big fan. Jason, when did you come
0: to uh, this? Were you in from the first? Uh... Uh, volume or did you come to this light yeah yeah I watched
2: watched, yeah I watched the first volume and and uh I think to Zap's point the not knowing what it was going to be I didn't see any trailers or about or anything you know anything on Netflix about it just was like oh cool Fincher and Tim Miller like that should be fun it's animation like let's see what happens it's going to be good and it's phenomenal I think I think uh the witness in that one was for me, the one that really stood out because it's all about. Um, I and I agree with Zap about heavy metal magazine and the heavy metal movie and all that. Like that, I love that as a kid, and this totally has the vibe. But because of the advent of video games and people like when video games weren't looking great in gameplay, but cutscenes were the jam. You know, some of these have cutscene vibes. Because, at least for people, I guess our general age, they're still considered cutscenes in our brains, even though they're they're not. They could be gameplay at this point. But um, the witness, I think, was the one that really drew me in um, as like something that seemed really new because of the animation style. It it felt more cinema. Like it, they were in my mind. I was describing this to someone the other day. It felt like someone was taking like actual grounded camera moves and camera placement in animation, as opposed to being able to put the camera anywhere, which also works. And that's what makes animation different because you have the ability to kind of do whatever you want. Um, it doesn't have our Spider-Man physics problems that we talk about in other episodes. Um, so yeah, I've been in since the beginning and, uh, I was, I mean, every one of them is, is stellar in their own way, which I think to what Jed was saying, like, I mean, obviously Jed and the team are taking great pains to curate all this amazing content for us, the viewers, uh, to be able to feel this cascade of styles and other things.
0: Yeah, Matt, you have probably the most critical amongst us, uh,
2: and certainly the
1: most <laughs> discerning palette. Um, hmm. A.K.A. grumpy. The okay, snob, drumming. the snob. No, I mean, yeah, I, I. This has been really fun for me. I I hadn't watched any of these until we started talking about it, and so I binge. Sorry, watched. any of
0: any volumes?
1: No, I binge. I binge oh, watched wow. it all like in the last like forty eight hours or so, and um, <laughs> my son uh, had watched the first volume. I think he's he's eighteen. Um probably was 17 when he saw it in the first one. And he was like, Oh, you should watch this. This is really cool. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll watch it. <laughs> um, but you know, what's great about it, I think is it, it really just like uh, zap and Jason, you guys were saying it's very much in the vein of uh, the heavy metal magazine that certainly that first heavy metal movie, I never saw the second one, <laughs> but, um, and it also reminded me a lot of uh, the MTV liquid television. Mm
4: -hmm, Um, which there were
1: a lot of pieces, um, at the time. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff that Colossal Pictures I know had done. They now defunct Colossal Pictures back when uh, I was still living in San Francisco. And, um, I think, you know, the really exciting, uh, diversity of aesthetic as well as, um, you know, there's the two recurring, the three robots, Mm -hmm. uh, that recur and they sort of have this very, um, uh, misanthropic kind of, uh, you know, innocence about, you know, the, the past of the human race and whatnot. Um, but it's got, there's great humor, there's great, uh, intrigue, um, uh, really fascinating, uh, story design choices. Um, and I think, uh, you mentioned the the episode, The Witness, um, and then the, the final episode, is it Jabaro? Um, I mean, it's like, we're going there's to have a,
0: to talk about that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> there's, oh, yeah. Absolutely. There's, a,
1: there's a similar character design aesthetic a little mm-hmm. bit in those two. I don't know if they're connected in some way by the what makers, but um, but the camera work in both of those in particular um, is so naturalistic and so uh, really amazing. Um, and then the last episode that I just watched before starting to record was the, um, the Drowned Giant and like what a totally different, kind of story. And I was trying to remember the name. There's an artist, uh, who makes these large, there's, he made like this large baby and he made. Oh, the, Ron Muick. Right. Yeah. And Ron I it Muick, made yeah. me immediately think of that work. I'd seen some of those, uh, uh, when I was living in New York at one of the shows they had there, but, uh, just, and, and it's totally a different kind of story, a much more humanist, like kind of lyrical and poetic narrative. And I, I just, uh, you know, you know, Forty Eight Hours became an instant fan. I think they're <laughs> all they're really great. It's so compelling.
0: Yeah, I've got to say I'm with you though. Uh, Eon was it Eon Flux? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the MTV from that was. See, I'm I'm not a fan of the graphic design that used to be on the cover of Heavy Metal, which used to be basically incredibly sexist, bikini-clad fantasy chicks, and it just wasn't my thing. Now, Eon Flux if i'm saying that wrong i apologize the mtv colossal pictures thing Mm -hmm. oh my god that was just for me genius i actually confess i used to manually redraw frames and stuff and just you know (laughs) doodle them so so jed what about you what's like what was the sort of uh source for personal kind of inspiration leading into this project because you must have i mean we've already echoed ours what's yours
4: you know like mine has been the same as <laughs> same as you guys i think we're all we're all around the same same age i i grew up with i grew up with um with heavy metal um <clears throat> it was called um it was called metal Yorland, back in uh back in france where i where i come from yeah i really grew up with that magazine because it was such a uh, such a breath of fresh air like i mean in europe especially like there was no you know there was a little bit of the comic books and the the marvel stuff was was starting to 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 cross uh, you know the atlantic but but it was mostly like asterix and tint and, and the adventures that those guys were having at the time was just you know it was all started after after the war so it was all about rediscovering your neighbors you know it was an adventure in spain and an adventure in italy um, but but heavy metal in the magazine just just went you know uh, to places that we never um, We'd never, would never seen him. And it was such a great like pop culture magazine because it was not just comic books. There was also a lot of crossover with, with block with bands at the time, you know, movies like you talked about, and it was like, you know, the moment where Star Wars and alien was, you know, these were like when these movies started to come out. So everything was kind of encapsulated in that magazine. And, and that was, and, and, and the novelty aspect. You know, to me, was was what was really interesting. Also, it's like every time it was a new story, it was a new artist, it was something different. You never knew where it was going. It was, going. There was not. It was not a lot of recurring. Of recurring Jed, stuff. how long?
0: Jed, how long have you been in America? And, and do you identify as American now, or do you identify as a as a Frenchman living in America?
4: Depends what the soccer team do in the World Cup.
0: Okay. I guess the um, reason I ask that is. I wanted to follow up on that point that Zap made about death, death, and robots, and uh, because we're still talking about the art, we're going to get to the you know the tech kind of and the gorgeous filmmaking involved. But but if it at the same time that this uh, you know Volume Three has rated like off the dial with critics and fans alike and scored like hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes and generally called Zap to have conniptions, it also <laughs> is true that uh, there's a lot of ultra violent stuff in this and and what i'd say is like american gun culture and i'm not criticizing i'd just be interested in people's perspective on that because for me i i really was very aware of it being just at times just incredibly uh now i know it's meant to be irated and i know it's meant to be adult and i know that in some cases it's being ironic but but i just curious because we're on the on the show now we have five people of which only two would be born americans um Not that that you know necessarily defines your views, but jed like have you you must be aware of that criticism or at least that observation
4: yes, and yes uh i mean we've heard it a couple of times, but we haven't heard it that that much and um and I'm particularly horrified by 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 the stuff that's happening in America right now, uh, I mean, I have I would, you know, my son, sure. my son is 14. And, and, um, and it's particularly stressful to, uh, to, to see what's what's happening in, in the schools. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very opinionated uh, on that front. And, and I feel like, you know, and, and maybe, maybe I'm, I'm just uh, being blind to the, maybe I'm being blind to the, you know, and I'm being hypocritical, but like the the yeah. stories that are in that are in Love, Desert, and Robot seem so far in terms of of the of the the themes, you know. And it's science fiction. It's and and it and I hope it never looks like we're glorifying it because that's always been something that you know when when we set out to do something that's R-rated, you know, we want we want themes that resonate with adults. We want to be able to show whatever. Happens to the story to make it, you know, like bad traveling. Kind of needs this, like you know, this this uh, this ultra violence to 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 really have like the power that it has. Um, and sometimes, you know, like on the first season, beyond the killer rift, like we needed like the the you know the sexy time to uh to make that that payoff at the end of the story even more uh, you know even more disturbing. So that's kind of how we how we approach it. Like I can tell you that. None of us is is a is a big uh, is a big you know. Um...
0: To be clear, in no way was I implying uh, or suggesting that uh, the show is responsible for anything uh, beyond the show, right? Uh, but oh. it exists in a culture and it exists in a moment in time, um, and maybe it's a reflection, maybe it isn't. I don't know. Like I, I don't want to harp on this too much because I think that, but it's uh, it's an interesting. Point not to miss that it is a, a representation of a particular point of view at a particular moment in time. um Let's jump to the other side of the planet, Zap. What do you think? Do because you, you were the one that brought this point up. Were you joking about that, or did you well, actually no, notice that when you're watching it?
3: So for me, it was not so much. I mean, uh, now we delved into like the serious situation that happened in the U.S. It wasn't really about that. What I said, uh, my like my one criticism. Is of the whole of Death and Robot stuff There's been like a little Too many episodes that Where the basic story is Gruff gang of military Meets big evil beasts And lots mm-hmm. of stuff happening And that was simply in like Yeah, we've seen that, like, you know, can we not, there's more stories, um, you know, maybe slightly more supernatural, maybe slightly more something else. So we, we basically, yes, it's kind of a been there, done that situation. That was my comment more than the reflect specifically. I mean, if you had all the episodes been about people, you know, collecting stamps. I would have an opinion about that, you know, but now we haven't had 10 episodes of stamp collecting, but we had 10 episodes of graph military guys shooting at various monsters. And yeah.
0: Can I briefly hear from like Jason, like, do you, as yeah. an American, as opposed to me as an outsider, did it?
2: I mean, I I, it definitely it this season's particularly as Jed was saying I mean we are lined up with not an issue that's always been pervasive in America but certainly is at its peak um, sort of visibility right now in in that wave of visibility as we go through in America Um, I would say sort of the interesting takeaway from these and I agree with Zap that and maybe that's why I had this uh, sort of video game. Uh, comment earlier is that you know a lot of video games that had cutscenes are military or action oriented games, right? I mean, a lot of them are fantasy, but a, a predominant nature, a predominant number of them are are military, so they feel that way, right? And so there is a familiarity with it. I would say, in the case of the show um there is a there is a i was watching with my kid season three and he's 15 and we you know he said are these like black mirror because he's watched black mirror and and there's a, you know they do have a there is a consequence in these episodes there is all there was always some it's not necessarily a moral outcome but there is a there is a consequence of some part to the action whether it's whether it's um mason's rats where it's a commentary on v- war and attrition or you know mm-hmm. or it's uh swarm which is basically colonization uh and even night of the mini dead which is just i think at the the most comparable to what we're talking about which is just, it. the, just the repetition think- of the repetition of 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 action which is like you know an entire an entire planetary destruction in super fast mini thing which i like almost fell on the floor watching because it was incredible. Um, uh, I
0: thought it was also incredible. Hey, Matt, what, what's, pick up on that. Like we, uh, Black Mirror, so it's a brilliant reference that Jason's brought up there, which we hadn't, I hadn't.
1: Yeah, I next, mean, it's but... a, I mean, Black Mirror's another great example of an anthology series, you know, all, a, If I'm not mistaken, right, it's all essentially live action with some visual effects, of course, but, Uh um, but it's, it's very similar in that it's, you know, these, it has a particular bend, right? It has a particular uh, flavor. I think the, um, when we're talking about the gun stuff, like I don't, I, I mean, I think, you know, gun culture in the United States has gone completely off its rocker, if you ask me. I think the United States is in a state of uh, psychosis uh, for the better part of the last six years or so, I think agreed, at this point. Agreed. Um, but that's, you know, hopefully something that will one day resolve. And I look at like something like this, I don't think it's a, uh, to me, you know, Zap was saying, you know, that you know, every other episode's kind of this military adventure. And I, I guess that's kind of true. But I also sort of feel like it's like listening to a record album of, you know, your favorite band, right? Like, you know, you get like the the hits, you know, the ones that are in the cool B-sides. And then there's a couple of tracks that maybe aren't for everybody, but some people really love and the deep cuts and that kind of stuff. And so I think when you look at any kind of anthology, be it, you know, Love, Death and Robots, you know, we we're talking about Black Mirror, any of these types of shows, like there's going to be this kind of wide variety. And I think that's kind of what makes it exciting too, is that you do have an opportunity to if there's one that doesn't float your boat you can kind of be like nah skip to the next one right and so i think that there's um a, a lot of like sort of fungibility in there for the viewer
0: jed leaving aside the specifics of the topic that i brought up like one of the things that you guys must be keen to have happen is have consequential discussions based on the the quality of the work right like it isn't fast food it's like it's short but it's not like uh and it's anything but
4: no uh, and we really pride ourselves on that like we really want it to be a a visual spectacle and we want it to be and we want it to be really story driven because you know one of the dangers of starting something like that is to just put all your focus on on the imagery but but we really really want to make sure that we have the proper director for the story that we have a story that you know that we all really believe in and that um and that we think you know we'll we'll make an interesting uh we'll make an interesting short story but you know so it a really good story it has to have you know we have to be able to imagine that visually it's going to be it's going to be interesting too and that it's going to push the you know it's going to push the the medium a little bit because we love you know like the the best thing that 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 happens is when when somebody who's never seen any animation just just you know watches um Love, Death and Robots, and then and then and then suddenly it, and comes up and is like, wow! I never, I you know, I had no idea you could do that with animation. I had no idea you could see, um, you know, like something like Jabaro, for example, or The Witness, like, has brought some people from you know who had never watched like any any kind of movie or or TV show um, or an animated uh, TV show, and then suddenly you know. It's, these are themes that resonate with with a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons. Um, but so yes, we try to um, we try to make it we, we try to make it interesting for everybody. We want a good story, though. We also want some. We want it to be a bit of a spectacle. It's, if we you know,
0: can something. switch gears to sort of the technical stuff, and you mentioned Jabara there, which uh, there's already a making of out, uh, which we'll put a link to in the show notes. Um, so walk us through that. Was that because that's so visually stunning and A heap of people that I would have thought would know were like, "Is this live action? Is this partial live action? Like, what am I looking at?" It was just, it was breathtaking visuals. Also, an incredibly uh, original story and narrative style. Uh, Even the cinematography, the virtual cinematography, spectacular. So, just walk us through. Did that come from a pitch of a good idea that then found its visual style, or did you guys have a visual style that was presented as an inherently part of the pitch of doing it, or? Was it just that you guys knew the director and, and reached out the other way?
4: Well, we know, we know the director very well, Alberto Milgo. Um, he directed The Witness on the on the first season makes and sense. He, That's what he, just, he just <laughs> blew us away when he came for the pitch for the first uh, for The Witness the, the first time, like he just had some, he was one of the, um, he was one of the out directors that started the, um, uh, the Spider-Man uh, multiverse. Um, uh, Spider-verse, movie. yeah. Yeah, Spider Verse, and um, so he comes. You know, he's he was the art director on Tron, the um, the uh, the animated series. So he's 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 been in the business for for a long time, um, and he re- he he just recently won the um, the Oscar for the best um, for the best um, uh, short uh, this year for, hmm. for another short that he did uh, called The Windshield Wiper. Right. So we 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 know him very well. He is you know he's. he's this genius uh, director, who's very involved in in every aspect of production, he knows. You know, he has a vision, I and mean, he, you know, he goes out and he, he does he does something that is, you know, I've, I've, he he blew us all away with the witness, and and you know when he started when he started Jabbaro, he um, <clears throat> so the story was different, like the but the process was was very similar um which is you know so this time he just it just went in the forest um in the northwest like in oregon and and washington state just kind of just spent like a few weeks there just taking pictures just kind of like you know breathing the the environment a little bit and then and then he's he's an absolutely incredible um storyboard artist so then he does like all his storyboards and then it takes him you know a, a few more weeks and then he shoots a lot of reference uh, and then, it, which he directs himself. And then, and then he has a team of crack animators that just take that reference and then, and then match that <laughs> and the, the secret yeah. sauce, like we're not, we're not completely sure how he does that, but, but there's, you know, for the witness and for Jibaro, there's, there's always like a little period of like maybe a month and a half where well, we don't get to see much because they're really working and they want to, uh, and. And even though I've seen the witness, I, I knew the story of Javaro because, you know, and then, but then he sent that final, like that almost final version. I was on vacation and, um, and we popped it up on like, there was like a big screen TV, uh, over where I was and I swear, like I showed up because I was like, this is, this is what we're in this business for, you know, like for these moments where, where you see all the suffering of, of all those animators on, <laughs> but there's the the passion of doing something you know of something that's just extraordinary is uh, it's humbling you know like yeah, I mean, that, but when, when you
0: greenlit that you didn't have any sorry you when you greenlit that you didn't have any actual like style renders it was more just on the strength of his talent and his story rather than the final look
4: no we we did we didn't have i mean you know he's he could he could do absolutely Everything on the on the on the short, but you know, obviously, he has to delegate now because the <laughs> shorts are starting to get a little long. Uh, but he's, you know, he's an amazing like concept artist. He's an amazing like storyboard artist. He can, you know, so and you know, and he he delivered quite a piece on on volume one uh, with the witness. So so there's an amount of trust there uh, that you know, obviously, we're not, you know, we're not going to give we're not going to give him that front blush, but like at the same time we we have a history and we, we trust him enough that we know that it's going to be, that it's going to be, that it's going to be amazing.
0: Matt, I cut
1: you off. Oh, I know. I was just going to say, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, reassuring to see the, the witness and Jabaro are the same uh, hand at work. Cause I was <laughs> like, Oh, that does look, those remind. I saw Jabaro first and then the witness um, earlier this earlier today, actually. And um, yeah, the, In in particular, in Jabaro, I was thinking like this really feels like something that is breaking new ground, like we're pushing into a whole new arena of what it means to create a fully animated short film um, and to tell a story that is you know, feels very kind of culturally unique, um, and, you know, sort of has a historical kind of flair to it, a sort of legend kind of flair to it, um, uh, flavor. And I think that all those things come together so well. And there's a, like some shots in, uh, Jabaro one in particular, where I believe the, uh, the, the knight character is, he starts sinking in the water and everything kind of slows down and he's sort of weighted down by the armor as he's sort of in the, it's not the last moment, but at the in the middle. When the horse of the is phone. also sinking under him. Yeah. yeah, and the the power of those images, the both compositionally from a lighting perspective and execution wise, um, I mean it's so arresting, and it just uh, for me anyway, it just so sucked me into that universe, that story, the kind of the the magic of the kind of what feels like this kind of legend that's being told, um, and it just felt like uh, I haven't seen anything quite like that prior to watching that um so yeah i mean it just really super strong powerful stuff I,
2: can i can i, I, I have... also just hold on one second, i just wanted to say something quick and then you can jump in i just want to say that the sound design on all of these oh. but Jabaro especially i mean the sound design is incredible i mean there's so much happening in the environment and the animation is obviously stellar because you see that first but without that sound design of the water and the sound and the the guy not having hearing you know and and that whole sound layer of the storytelling is you know phenomenal sorry i cut you off zap
3: and i I was just gonna say that i was one of the many who like went is this live action that they kind (laughs) of distorted or what because the rendering is so spectacular but it's also at the same time it's obvious that it's not live action because i don't know if you noticed in some shots you look at something center screen which is what you're focusing on and this looks completely photoreal but then you look at like the shrubbery at the edges and it's a freaking bob ross painting it's just random blobs of color that read as completely beautiful foil foliage but it's like no this is just ladder of color, just like they did the old matte paintings and stuff. So mm-hmm. there's painting in there, there's amazing rendering in there. I think there's a photo or two uh, that has been like recolorized or something so i think there's a tiny bit of sort of live action in the sense there's some some real elements in there uh obviously jed you know more but like until i saw this morning this like there's a lot of things i thought more was live action than it was basically and i was like holy crap this is basically all cg and uh, let me let me just jump in for listeners and point out
0: that zap well mocking himself in his intro is in fact like a domain expert in rendering in fact if i had like a complex rendering shader question and i have i have contacted sap <laughs> he's uh he's too humble to admit it but he's like knows more about rendering uh or he's forgotten more than i'll ever know and and really it, it's quite i don't know skip past this but it's quite astounding that you of all people were mm-hmm. feeling that you were unsure as to what wasn't. Because uh, if I was unsure, I'd freaking email you to ask, <laughs> to get me advice. Yeah.
3: And the funniest thing I should have known because it is rendered in Arnold. So, you know, uh, I was just not on those mailing lists that were involved in this production. <laughs> so uh, I actually didn't know. And I was like, okay, that, that yeah, it looks amazing. So looks can fantastic. we hear
0: from you and then from Jed. So So, because I'm interested, like just at a technical level now, what makes it seem to you that it has, I mean, you mentioned this artistic thing with the edge of frame, which I think is brilliant, but mm. why does it look so spectacularly good? Is it, obviously it's a combination of things, but like, it seems to me there's some really innovative lighting, camera work, blocking, lensing and stuff, but is it just that? Because and we can hear from Jed what he thinks, and he obviously knows, but as an outsider, yeah. is that, what do you think?
3: I would say there, that's a combinational thing. And I think, It's the fact that it's a combination that makes it work so well. First of all, we have the absolutely spectacular animation, which makes all the movement look absolutely real. Because you can have the most photoreal thing in the world, and if it moves in a way, uh, your eyes immediately detect this is wrong, and you see it as fake. So the animation is super important. The rendering uh, is also quite spectacular. I was especially in the scene where... The the female character basically gets all her golden stuff torn off, and there's some semi-fuzzy kind of underskin that looks almost like, and 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 that was rendered so well. So I was like almost sure that that was actually like the mocap artist we were looking straight at or something, uh, and they just you know replaced the face or something. But I learned no, it's not. It's it's all rendered, you know. And then it's the lighting, like in the forest night scenes, they have this like lighting that is like hitting out from the camera. Like you were running around with the little handy cam with, mm-hmm. the, with the light on it, which gives yeah. this, and it's all the camera shakiness. And so this, all these things together, and it's just combined together so spectacularly. And plus on Jason's note with a fantastic sound design, it's just, I, I just bow to this work and this dude, you know, it's like, <laughs> this one should win the Oscar for this year, uh, in my humble opinion, but yeah.
0: So, Chad, give us your perspective, because you obviously know what was going on, and also your trained eye, because it, it is so technically spectacular
4: yeah and you know i i think um, i think the witness broke my brain like harder <laughs> than Jabaro did i think Jabaro like just took it to another level because of the story because of the theme like just every, and the just the sheer difficulty of of everything uh but but when i watch the witness it's crazy because like you you can stop on any frame and you know it's not flat action and yet you just get engaged in that in that story as if you're watching a movie And I mean, I think, I think animation is like, is, you know, is, is, is the main, is the main thing, because if it moves like what you're used to see, then, then you believe it. And, um, and I think, yeah, I mean, they just of the difficulty on Jibarro with the horses, uh, the horses in the water. I mean, and it's, you know, there's, 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 there's people who just have this passion and this vision and it doesn't matter what the the technical difficulty is going to be it has to it has to happen and they they find a way and um and you know he's i I think he's also he has this charisma that attracts like incredible talent as well you know like like very talented people always surround themselves with with talented people and, and i think he's you know, he's he on both. Uh, he created like a studio from scratch for both like shorts uh, in in Madrid, and but he has is very well connected in that in that industry. And the Spanish, you know, the Spanish uh, CG community is very very tight. They all know each other. They're very um, um, they're very generous uh, with each other, and um, and so uh, he's been able to surround himself with absolutely world-class talent from both of them
2: them. can i also point out there's not a stitch of dialogue really in the whole piece and and to to be able to convey not only like visually astound the viewer and and almost confuse and and take them over visually then you have sound design and you're you're using no dialogue and it's not that it's a fairly complex story uh, in terms of what's happening because you have no reference for anything. It's completely fictional. It's based in some things you have knights. you have, um, Indian, you know, type, um, character and, you know, again, watching it with my kid, like as the story's evolving, as like, you're able to realize that the guy who can't hear will survive. And like, just at that moment, my kid, you know, said oh he can't hear so he's not gonna he's gonna go the other way and he's gonna escape like the story you figure out the story like it he's treating the viewer with such respect which most directors don't uh that the he gives the audience a chance to not only discover the story but also feel smart like you want your audience to feel smart and and, and knowledgeable and and be a part of the experience Um, I, and I would say to what Zapp was saying, I think the wide angle lensing is, is phenomenal. Like, cause you don't, most people don't use wide angle, like super wide angle stuff in CG. They want that long lens cinematic kind of quote cinematic thing. And to use the, the frenetic nature, almost Gondry style, uh, especially with the flashlight vibes, you know, is, I mean, it's just every, every kind of cut that changed, I would just be like, have to like look away for a second and like be like, "Wait, what is happening right now like be- because of all the all of those things um, and I think to what I said before about the witness, um, this dude knows how to use a camera like it it's the camera work feels so actual and real and not animated that it feels like there's someone standing in a room pointing a camera at a, at a wall full of dots, and they're just camera tracking his you know. What he's doing with a camera because i mean that's in the camera animation is just stellar and the shot choices of course because they're all made up right there's no walking around the space and going "Ooh, i like that like you do in a normal like you know uh tech scout or blocking day you know so that's my two cents
0: we need to discuss some of the others in uh volume yes. three because they deserve <laughs> it um but i you know we could keep the whole show on just that one. Um, but I do want to discuss the Night of the Mini Dead because it came up before uh, as being an example of what I was talking about in terms of ultraviolence, and it's so funny because I just would not have put that in my top three of ultraviolent uh, <laughs> examples. Um, I can see why you would say that, given the uh, the wholesale destruction um, but that's a that's a piece that I guess form in the form informs the narrative uh, and is in essence the sort of the subtext like the actual uh realization of time and depth of field is what gives the subtext to the piece and that's not something you can say Matt about many pieces is it I mean that's like again not not a lot of dialogue
1: <laughs> no there's I think there's a I want to say there's a Tom York music video that had a tilt shift kind of aesthetic that reminds me of of when I saw that I was like, he, I feel like you. It's it's such an old kind of gag, but you know I haven't seen that done in that way in a CG uh, short film. And this one has such a wonderful sense of humor, but by creating that kind of you know tilt shift kind of effect and making everything feel so tiny in that regard, like it's so. Uh, it makes it even more humorous, you know. Like it's just everything comes together stylistically, visually, thematically to create just a, a totally different kind of short within the the context of the you know larger volume. That is, it just you shift gears and it's like everybody has a good laugh. It reminds me of sitting in the uh, Exploratorium theater, the old Exploratorium in San Francisco, and going to see the Spike and Mike animation festivals i don't know if you guys mm-hmm. ever had a chance yeah. to go to any of mm-hmm. those but same kind of thing where there'd be this uh, you know a bill plimpton short or something that would come up and it was just totally offbeat and a totally different kind of thing i was curious though if the uh, the, the what is it is it night of the many dead is that what it is or mm-hmm. yeah is it is it the same filmmaker who made the one with the one in the freezer is that the same artist where the in the freezer there's a similar kind of like miniature universe that's transpiring.
4: Well, it it, it comes from the same person, um, because um the freezer one Ice Age was directed by uh, Tim, Tim um, who's the creator of the show. And um the he he was the one who came up with the idea of uh, of Night of the Mini Dead with um with Jeff Fowler, who's who long time uh, director at, at Blur. The, um, the the idea came out when uh You know, like years ago, we were were approached by a a client who was was working on a video game, and the video game was about the zombie apocalypse, and and they asked for, um, you know, for like a a little cinematic to just uh, to just start the game. And Tim and and Jeff were were, were just brainstorming, trying to kind of find like a good idea, and they were like, "Oh, wouldn't that be cool if we did like the zombie apocalypse in in tilt shift?" Oh man, they're gonna love it. As so they went to the client and the clients are like, oh good idea. No, we don't want to do <laughs> uh, So they, they've always um they've always kept that idea because you know, and so we we've actually, you know, been we almost did it for, for volume one and then also almost for volume two, but then you know the pandemic kind of came at the same time. We we're like, is this the right moment? Maybe we should wait a little bit. Yeah um and then you know jeff uh, jeff who, who co-wrote the, the you know the original idea with with tim um has been busy um directing sonic and sonic 2 and so the you know, schedule was not um was not going to allow him to to do it uh but but um but this company in los angeles called buck uh just picked up we're interested in we were interested in doing it and then they they picked it up and man, they did something so fantastic with it. Uh, I mean, you know, we really just had like the original idea and then, like, just, you know, the beat at the beginning and the at the end and then in the <laughs> middle. It was kind of up to the directors to just kind of fill it up like however they wanted. And uh,
0: Jay, can I ask you a quick question? Was it ever a question whether it would be sustainable? Because I think one of the things that I would have been the idiot in the room that would have said was, well, this is going to look really good, but you can't do the whole short like that. Cause it just, after, you know, after you've got the gag, you kind of, but that's not true, right? It works brilliantly uh, for seven minutes. Is that ever an issue?
4: Well, it works for seven minutes because we had incredible directors making it work. You know, like it's um, because because you're right. The gag after five shots, like, you, it, it won't sustain the story if it doesn't have like, you know, really good ideas, like good, good uh, um, like funny gags, but like, it has to flow. It's uh, I mean, it, it's, it's actually a very, very difficult piece. You can't, like, you always have to shot, you know, everything has to be these very, very wide shots. Like you can't, you know, you can't really cut in and just have like, it's, like, it's, it's very, you know, regimented but the shots um, do
1: change though there is like Mm -hmm. you know a couple shots where there's camera movement and you know it's either panning across or it's moving back Mm -hmm. or it's pushing in a little bit and so I think that breaks up you know maybe what you're saying too Mike the thought that it might feel monotonous over time like and get old I think that extra motion and the upping of the gag like you're saying Jed I think that really makes all the difference
2: but you could You the could cut. say that. You could say it in the opposite way too. You could say something like Jabbaro, which is so visually interesting. Like if the story is weaker, like you're already making the story having to be so strong because the visuals are so strong. This is the opposite. This is the visuals are super strong, but they're 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 a known quantity. So you have to have the super strong beats of like each scene has to. Each scene obviously already in the finished piece has a little of an iconic moment from every zombie sort of scenario in some fashion, and then, it, and then it amps up. And honestly, I think the thing that makes it work, I'll go back to sound, but it's, part, it's in the animation too, is the frame rate and the high-pitched voices, because <laughs> your brain automatically goes, oh, this is gonna move really fast. So almost like, it's almost like cueing the viewer, like you're not gonna get bored, don't worry, because it's, it's gonna go like three times as fast. And, but still details. the comedic yeah, it,
3: time the comedic yeah. timing is so insane like the little green explosion is timed perfectly yeah. <laughs> like they spill out of the train and it's yeah. just perfect and in the right millisecond everything happened it's just yeah. brilliant
2: yeah it's it's I think that's the judge's point like the directors really like the beats are so clean and clear uh and then of course the big you know which was a trope for so long you know the galactic pull out you know to use that with a fart it's just like you know very douglas adams yeah
0: Jed, in, on a show like this is there much of a shooting ratio like in other words is that edit that we see the edit that was the derived storyboard that was just it or is there a process where there are effectively for want of a better term deleted scenes
4: oh it's always you know it's always a process until until it's done like there's yeah for, for, for all the shorts, like there's always, it's, you know, it's the process. Um, we'd love it if it could, if it could, you know, if we could approve like storyboards and then boom, it just like <laughs> smoothly goes to, to the end, but, but it's, uh, it's, it's always a little bit more complicated.
0: So you haven't had a, an occasion of like, the uh, cause I remember in the, um, you know, that there have been shorts people have made that have been spectacular, just verging on like, you know, 20 minutes. Not not for you, I'm saying, but like, I was just wondering if there was like an occasion where it was uh, an editorial problem. I know the longest one in this one is about 20 minutes, isn't it? It's like, uh, is that not uh, David Finch's?
4: Yep.
0: Yeah, which, which is something we should also discuss because like the quality of the directors, um, you know, we shouldn't skip over. It's a, an amazing um, throughout all the volumes.
4: Yeah, I agree. I think, I think we have amazing directors. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, it's, um for me personally, it's such a joy to, uh, to, to, to work with new directors and new companies. And when you get, you know, there's, there's always a little bit of um not anxiety, but like, you know, it's, there's companies that we've been working with for, you know, for five, six years now, we know, you know, we know that Unit in France is going to deliver something, you know, spectacular every time um uh, and and when you you know like we were talking about buck uh here like we've, we've never worked with them so we know they do great work but how does that is that gonna apply you know to our to our show um but it's the same thing with with david like you know we know david fincher can do like you know the best the best movies in the history of cinema how is that gonna apply to um uh, to um to animation and uh but but, you know, he does something that is what I I, I think is some of, I mean, some of Blur's best work and, and he came in and he was so, he was so gracious of his time and his expertise to just kind of, you know, help direct, but also like, you know, mentor all the, all the guys at Blur, like it's such, it's such a fantastic experience to be able to work with, with people that are so seasoned like that, you know, um, and and we all, you know, I think, I think, when when uh, when directors like that just kind of come and, and participate to uh, to the show, it's um it helps everybody because everybody learns from it and we all get, you know, we all get better um, together. And it's um, but it is it is always a joy to see a new company just do something that you did not you know expect like a uh, you know, virtual pulse of the machine the, the another one was done by um by polygon in japan and um we've never worked with them they've done a lot of they've done a lot of stuff for for um for tv um and and um but how does that how is that going to apply with you know, and we had the we had the, a new director um for this episode as well but man it's one of my favorite episodes of this season like it's it's so it's so beautiful and it's so you know it's so poetic and and. Um, and um, it's you know there's there's moments like that every season that that makes me very makes me feel very fortunate to be part of this um, part of the show.
0: Matt, can I get you to talk about uh, animating robots because we it's the it's in the title of the show. We should talk about robots. Um, the vacuum bot uh, that was in volume <laughs> two. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that was a particularly interesting animation challenge. I, I personally love the three robots, so I was so happy to see them uh here in exit strategies but if you're animating um a robot even if you have uh, evolved from being a um, child monitor baby monitor that yeah. they are um they're animated so well but i think it we can't sort of skip past how hard it is to animate these robots these especially the ones like um the uh the vacuum that aren't sort of an obviously uh biped Do you want to just talk to to that for a second because it you know it's a it's a very key and fun part of the uh,
1: anthology well i suppose one of the things that you know when you think about that particular robot uh one of the things that's kind of helpful from an animation perspective i would think is that it's a box and what's in that box like apparently all kinds of stuff <laughs> there's like tons of little arms and like these like heat things you know and like so i think in that regard you know you do wind up having um uh, a lot of opportunities. Also, you know, the, the funny thing in that one, that's the one with the old people in the yeah. retirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the, the things dog. I think that's so funny about yeah, yeah about that robot too, is that every time it does something nefarious, it then subsequently takes the time to start cleaning up, you know? Like, so there's, <laughs> there's this great kind of humor, both in, I'm sure in the story, but also in, you know, the animator's approach to dealing with that as well, where it has this, you know, malfunctioning, uh, programmatic error that's causing all this chaos in the home environment, but then it's also still dutifully doing its little tasks. And it made me think of, um, there's that uh, is it the Goblin school? They made the Burnin Safari. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that animation, um, where there's a, a spaceship that lands on a primitive planet of like eight people. And, uh, Anyway, it's a similar kind of animation where it's it's another sort of box style robot. I think the um, the three robots, the the sort of pyramidic sort of um, the the woman voiced uh, robot uh-huh. is what, a,
0: so. Which one is that? That's not the Xbot four thousand. It's is it or is it the eleven forty five G? Jed,
1: which one is the
4: pyramid? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. That's, you know, I, think,
1: uh, I think she's really interesting too. And I noticed that in the two different shorts, she actually performs some different actions. There's even one where I think it's in the first season where she actually sits down and she becomes tiered, kind of like a tiered sort of pyramid steps, you know, like some, uh, uh, kind of, um, yeah, like a Mexican, you know, pyramid in the jungle or something. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I think that those are really interesting. The, the, um, the The little robot and then the taller robot, the x what was it the x bot two four thousand yeah, I mean they're they're a little bit more traditional and they have um certainly the the taller biped is really just you know a humanoid robot, but I think you know the two different colored eyes and his kind of mohawk design and stuff as well as the the actor, the voice actor at, for both for all three actually of those robots I mean they're so comedic um, and just uh, they bring so much personality through the voice and that, that then the animators get the opportunity to really see like, okay, how can we embody that character and that voice in those particular moments? And I think they're all very different. Um, and it makes those uh, shorts with the, with the robot characters, I think, so much more compelling and really funny.
0: Jed, they must be, uh, you know, in-house favorites, right? Um, they are just so appealing
4: yeah and there's so much fun to uh, to to work on i think everybody's you know everybody has we we love john Scalzi, who who writes who's been writing the, the stories like he's you know he's he's, he's one of the, of the show's best friends like he's he's done like you know a lot of stories and and uh, and we love every opportunity that we have to uh to to work with him but so it's it's fun to work with him of On the story, it's fun to have the actors in the booth, just like kind of riffing off of each other and and come up with like a lot of stuff that you know. It's a different kind of workflow than than say jubaro where Alberto knows what he wants and then he's gonna get it, and then you know, and and he's gonna he's gonna be judging like you know, like he's got everything in his head. But so am I hearing?
0: Am I hearing that Patrick Osborne, who is the director of that, allows much more improvisation from the actors in a sort of a collaborative sense? Is that what you're saying?
4: Uh, yeah. And well, what's interesting is that he, Patrick Osborne, um, did not direct the first, the first one. It was, it was a different, um, uh, it was two directors, uh, on the first one. Um, there's two Spanish guys, uh, that go by the, the name of Headless and, and there, there were a lot of fun too. And, but those characters, you know, like there, there's, um, you know, sometimes there's things that just take a life of, of its own, you know, and, and and it requires the collaboration of the director the actors you know the 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 author and and i think you know i think that's what resonates with people like it just there's just a lot of fun that happens during the boom you know we work on the episode and i think that kind of translates to the screen.
0: and sap the other thing i wanted to just flag is this anthology really is the validation of tune shaders in many respects right like the you don't get those kind of great work that's happened by the teams that have developed the shaders and the look devs up that doesn't tend to get focused on in a you know pixar or disney kind of animated feature but these uh advances in uh, shaders are really on display in the anthology aren't they zap
3: yeah this that that is true and also um you know tune shading we also have to think about something like into the spider verse which uh, took the tune shading to like its whole new level with the like putting on the the like the screen raster and all these kind of things. Um, you know, and for me, uh, the the um, I'm blank what's what was it now the power of the machine, the 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 whatever of the machine. The very
2: machine. pulse pulse of the machine. The very pulse yeah. of the
3: machine, yeah, exactly. Which was brilliantly tune shading because tune shading is surprisingly hard to make look good and um like in theory it's sort of easy you kind of posterize you know the light levels and you do some lines here and there but if you only do that it looks too dead and static so you have to put some kind of uh, little things like you know you make your lines a little thicker in the lower left corner of everything and these kind of things you change the line width and uh, you actually make things move Uh, Like in the Spider-Verse, they were playing with the frame rates like crazy, like two different characters could even Mm -hmm. be in the same scene at different frame rates. And sometimes you want stuff like a shadow on a cheek when the person turns, even though it's in theory should be moving smoothly, Uh, you actually might not want it to do that because uh, you want it to look more like it was uh, hand-drawn and give more life into it and all these kind of things. And I, I thought it was really, really well done on the on that episode and I I think it's one of the most of course Jibar is special but uh, of poor pure like visual beauty uh, that is a quite a highlight for me I
2: thought Ice in season two also had a really good almost Aeon Fluxy super angular like
3: um, yes agreed
2: the you know the like the upshots where they have long legs because of the because the lens choice you know quote unquote but I guess
3: that well, that must have been more like traditionally animated. I don't I don't think that yeah, was like Toon 3D Shaded that. 3D. That was yeah. that was actual yeah. kind of 2D animation. Yeah. But yeah, the style is it's, it did remind me of Aeon Flux, actually. You're, you're quite yeah. right. I just wanna want to to point it. out
2: Oh, oh like sorry. That. I was just gonna say I just wanted to point out like a character design thing. Um, the In vaulted halls entombed. You know, the, the most of the story, the first two thirds of the story is what Zappa's was pointing out is like a typical military thing. They try to shoot everything, even when it doesn't work, they keep shooting it, you know, and that's cool. But when then once they get into the main sort of vaulted hall, the design of that from a scale perspective, like clearly they're climbing down little steps. So something very large. Must be climbing those steps, you know all the intimations of design. But then, as they get closer, and you see those big statues with the hands, like you know, super heavy metal record cover, you know, <laughs> vibes. Um, and then you get inside in that demon Cthulhu style demon inside, and they do those little sort of when he when he gets into their brains, and they see these cutscenes, these sort of possibilities, those shots are incredible i was like my i was saying to my kid like holy shit!" he's like what i was like that is so cool like just like this giant winged beast like coming out of the dust and you think like i want the shot to keep going but they're not going to do that because not as cool but you know it, it's those shots that whole section inside the the vaulted yep. chamber with the demon guy was like i'm so in to this, I want all of this stuff. I mean, that was just—you know—it's
0: really funny you say that because I really like Jerome Chen's work, the director of that one. Mm-hmm. But I liked, loved Lucky Thirteen uh, earlier in the, which is mm-hmm. also his. And Jerome, I think, is great. But I love it because it's like, it's really great digital human work.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> so yeah, it's
0: the exact opposite of what you're talking about, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there is. Jed, somewhat of a dimension of being able to just push the technology. And in a format like this, you can push some stuff, I imagine, just almost like at an R&D level, right?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, yeah. And, and, and because we also believe that, you know, sometimes you kind of have to, um, to have like problems solved to just kind of stumble on like, you know, on magic, uh, on magic uh, items. Um, I was I always think the best example of that is um when we started the first season and we talked with the unit image there um this, this um this company in in Paris and they've been doing amazing, amazing uh, game cinematics for video game uh, cinematics for for years. And um and and their specialty was was a little bit more like effects and explosions, like big, you know, big effects moment. And we um when we talked to them about about doing uh, beyond the killer rift they were a little skittish because they were like well don't you have like you know mech warriors fighting each other instead like because the story it's like just three humans just talking to each other and we're like and they're like because we don't have a lot of experience there but we're like you know i think you you guys would be good at it if because if you if you put your minds to 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 a problem like this given everything that you've already solved i think you're gonna you're gonna do some amazing work and then and then you know now their humans are just like the best <laughs> uh they're i mean doing the do, the work they've done on both like beyond the killer or snow in the desert for uh for volume two is just you know
2: snow in the desert is phenomenal like and and it's mm-hmm. them again, you know yeah and, i was just gonna ask if it was the same guys because it's yeah. like i mean yeah it's some stellar yeah, shit. and they were you the know desert. they
4: were they were a little worried about their ability to do to do convincing, you know, con- convincing facial animation. But we're like, well, oh, <laughs> I mean, sure
3: there is. some. One interesting good- observation there is that for both Snow in the Desert and the Aquila Rift, for some reason, I think the female character look more realistic than the male characters. I can't put my finger on why. Well, like, are they just sloppier when, like, that guy doesn't put so much work in it, or <laughs> what's going on there? Because in bo- both cases, it's like, yeah, like the the woman in in the in snow in the desert, there was like a few shots. This has to be live action, you know. Totally. This, this can't be, see, yeah. Uh, but the guy, it was like, yeah, this is clearly CG. It's really good CG, but I was never a shot where I, I mistook him for being real. But there was several shots where I was looking at her going. No, this is live action.
2: Also, I have to say that the lighting in Snow in the Desert is like phenomenal. I feel like that's what sells a lot of those photoreal shots: is these quarter shots, little slight turn with right. a little yeah. eye, yeah, it's half quarter turns, and this nice backlight or other, you know, dim reflective light that you're just like, you know, when the
1: surface like beard yeah. hair and stuff like mm-hmm. that, is really great. I wanted to highlight, too, it, speaking of the digital humans, I think, you know, the drowned giant is really compelling in that way, too. There's a couple shots that I think recur. It's sort of, you know, it's, it feels really reminiscent of kind of like a BBC, you know, special where he's sort of, you know, talking about this memory of this time. But there's a couple shots where uh, his Land Rover, I think, pulls up onto the um onto the beachhead there and there's a crowd of people and they're all kind of moving and walking and sort of jockeying through, like you would through a crowd. And they're all, I gather, I would imagine many of them are motion captured, maybe some are animated, um, but that the complexity of the crowd movement and the complexity of of the rendering, of the costuming, of the facial expression, the movement. I mean, it's so, um, when you're just watching it, and you're not really thinking about it as an animation. There are moments where that looks totally photoreal too, with that kind of English seaside village. And then, the, of course, all the great subsurface and texture work on the um, on the giant, uh, you know, at least before he starts to be cut apart, I think is really just great, phenomenal stuff. That's really interesting to watch. And it it plays on one of the things that I think is so interesting about um working in a totally digital capacity is playing with scale like that you know you, we talked about that in terms of the micro scale looking at the uh the night of the many dead but i think you know you here we're dealing with scale in another capacity and it's really interesting to see something go in the other direction
4: you know there's there's an interesting there's something interesting about about that particular story this one was directed by Tim uh, as well, and it's and it's a story that he's been wanting to do since he was in high school. He read that that he did like a show and tell uh, at his high school back you know back in the day. He loved that story so much, um, but um, we were gonna do it. We were gonna do it and shoot it live action, but just do the giant as a um, as a um, as a visual effect uh, element, but a week before a week before uh, he was ready to go start shooting like we knew where uh, where to go then the you know the that's when the pandemic hit and then all the you know all the everywhere in the world was starting to uh, was starting to close down so at first he wanted to do it in england and can do it then maybe uh maybe in new zealand and then just like one by one like it was like um so so we were like well with OCG and and so that's how that's how it um, it came to be.
1: I think um, it works out great though because you get s- some yeah. of the shots of just the people minus the giant, you know, on the beach and on the road and stuff. I mean, it looks fantastic, and then you also get the opportunity to have this really interesting sort of the playfulness of the people, pl- like sliding down the giant's chest or whatever. Or uh, I think and those things become so int- and the the little footprints from this, the wet sand, you know, all over the giant. Those are things that um, I think really uh, sell the piece in another way too. And it, it, I couldn't help as watching it. I don't know that story, but I kept thinking of so many stories that we see and hear from time to time of like a large whale that's beached, you know, somewhere. And so it's this, and it has that, there's that emotive kind of piece to it as well, where you sort of, you know, feel for this giant beast who, for whatever reason, was beached on the beach as well as the giant, so.
0: Well, guys, we could talk all day because there is so much depth here and I feel bad for the ones we haven't discussed, uh, but we're sort of out of time. But what I was hoping to do, if I could, is indulge uh, my curiosity and get each of you to name Uh, your favorite uh, one from any of the three uh, volumes. And I know that's really hard and uh, probably for Jed, it's impossible. Um, So I'll let Jed off the hook if he wants to give you top three or something. (laughs) But for the other guys, I'm going to put you on the spot. So uh, if I can, I'm going to start with our traditional hosts and work our way to our our guests this week. So Matt, if you had to name your favorite, and you've just watched them all in the last uh, short period, (laughs) Um, was there one that just really resonated with you?
1: I mean, I, you know, we've talked about it so much, but I would probably have to say Jabaro, but, you know, sp- Probably a special mention, shout out to uh the drowned giant, which I also found really just so different. Uh, I really enjoyed that a lot. Um, but you know, just overall, I just would say, you know, my closing remarks is I think this is so magnificent. It is a, mo- a wonderful project. Um, it's such a great opportunity for artists, directors, companies to showcase a really unique aspect of working uh digitally and doing work like this. It's unlike anything out there right now. And I think it's just so awesome. I, I applaud that you guys are doing this. I think it's the coolest thing.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And Jason, uh, what would be your, uh, your pick?
2: I, I would echo Matt on all his, on his, uh, the end sent sentiments there, uh, which I think you, anyone listening could probably gather from anything any of us said about any of the episodes. Um, I, I kind of have to say uh, I'll do both the witness and Jabaro just from like a peak performance. Aspect in terms of being favorite, I do love all of them for varying reasons. I will throw out also um, the very pulse of the machine and snow in the desert as like favorites for other reasons. But I mean, you know, in this age of participation trophies, I don't think it's hard to say that everyone should win something for each of the things they did because I mean, uh, it's amazing that Jed and the team and Netflix and everybody uh to matt's point is elevating animation and giving it its moment and letting you know really curating great art great story great everything so they're kind of all winners to me but you know got to have some favorite moments yeah i'm i'm going to go next us because i want
0: uh, jed to go last <laughs> um i'm going to pick uh beyond the Ac- Ac- Whiff- rift because I just like that this is adult uh, cinema, adult animation and Riff for some reason, just totally just stuck with me later. Like it was the one that I was pondering on later and whether I would have made the same choices if I was involved in it, not that I thought it was bad. I thought it was brilliant, but I, would I have been able to even like uh, get there? And so anyway, that was, uh, that was one that I just, um, just, I guess in the first uh, volume. And the only other thing I'm going to say just really quickly before I hand over to zap is i also adore the graphic design around the series i was lucky enough to go to a lecture in uh in spain where they were talking about the actual graphic design of the um the the logos the the emblem the emblem i can't even say that correctly the uh the symbolism and and uh the way that that worked with just the marketing of the whole thing and i've just thought the graphic design and, and we never talk about marketing on this show, but man, that just presentation of the work had such attention to detail and such love. Anyway, not that that's better than what was in the, the volumes, but I just didn't want to uh, forget to mention that. But I, over to you, Zap, what's your, uh, from any of the three volumes, favorite?
3: Oh, yeah, there's a lot to pick there's funny ones like the one with hitler as a as a youngster hilarious uh there's there's the the scary spooky one like the the bad traveling from this season but uh, i have to be the copycat here uh copying you actually mike because beyond the killer rift from the first season going back to the start where i talked about heaven, it's probably the most coming straight from a heavy metal page because it uh, it's sci-fi. It turns out in the end to be horror uh, and there's some sexiness in there, but it's like... Maybe most of all, the horror aspect, this thing you thought was this nice little space vacation turns out to be a brain brain sucking monster kind of thing. That's so 110% something that could have been in a heavy metal magazine that for me, I think that that uh, is kind of my favorite. But I mean jibaro of course and the the witness and these others and there's so many in there but i i think beyond the killer rift will be my pick actually okay jed bring us home
4: i can't pick one of my children (laughs) you can't ask me (laughs) (laughs) no you you know like it's 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 almost impossible for me to answer that because because you know i've been so involved in in all of them um and, and so, you know, there's some that I, that I love because I love working on it with the people, you know, um, but just um, uh, I, I just want to point out just a couple of things just because I think I think they're they're worth mentioning. Um, you were you were talking about the graphic design and all the, the, the marketing aspect. I think it's I think it's great that you picked up on it because um, uh, Jennifer Miller is is responsible for that with uh, with Neil Kellerhouse and uh and man, they spend a lot of time on, on on this, and and I, I agree. I think it's absolutely beautiful, and mm-hmm. it's, it's a big part of 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 the marketing. And it's and it's difficult because it's difficult to have a show that has like so many different styles and so many different stories to just kind of find something that unifies all of them, and 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 you know a banner that can represent us all. Um, so for that, I think it's I think it's great. Um, you know, there, there's there's one that that has that has like a particular significance for me, um, and we didn't uh, we didn't talk about it, but um, it's a pop squad in the second uh, volume. Mm-hmm. Pop squad was when we like we read the story, and it's 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 an amazing story. But the first thing, the first scene, the main character kills, you know, three children, and we're like, there is like, we can't, we can't do something like this, like, it's, it's too much, you know, like, there's, there's a point where it's like, people are just gonna start watching, and they're gonna be like, ah, it's not it's not for me. And, and no director wanted to touch that story. But um, Jennifer, you Nelson, who's, um, who's our, our new um, supervising director, who started uh, for with volume two, you know, she comes from she's worked at dreamworks and she's directed kung fu panda too and and so she came into this world you know very interested and she i mean she you know she she definitely belongs and she can hang but you know like some people were were, might have been wondering but but she was like i want to do it i'll 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 do that story because i think it's a great story and i think i can find Mm -hmm. a way to, uh, to make it work and and i like what she did with that story is you know like the, the theme behind it is so difficult, but as a, you know, as, as a, as a father myself, like I, you know, I really resonates and, and I, and I think she's done something very beautiful. And, and, and as her entrance into the, into the show, I, I was always very, um, very impressed by the way she, um, um, she did that one, but, but man, every, you know, I can't, I can't disagree with you guys about witness to borrow about traveling. I think is, I think is incredible, but you know, there's, the the John Giant there's, um, is is amazing because I know what it what it means to Tim. Um, there is also a Sonny's Edge in the first one that I you know I thought was also very heavy metal like that one mm-hmm. had like you know hundred percent agree hundred percent agree you know like and it's but it's I don't know, like this this one is very is very blur you know like it, it's kind of it's kind of a good uh, representative of, of what we it was a good entrance in that formula because, you know, that's kind of where we're coming from and then, and then but it expands it a little, a little, a little more.
3: And visually and so- in that one, I especially like the use of blacklight, which was, I think the only time I seen like blacklight used in CG, uh, it was just like, I, I just immediately went, wow, I need to try that. I want to write the blacklight shader now. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you so much, uh, Jed and Zap, for joining our, our regular hosts uh, here on the show. It's been great talking to you. Um well, you, yeah. yeah, I mean, we really could talk for hours, but it's brilliant work, and we uh, we just not only I think applaud the artistry, as the guys said, but just the fact that it exists. Like, it's nice to be in a world where where this uh, exists, and if one doesn't like a particular one, I don't think anyone would object to it existing in the world. It's just you know, like uh, it's. I think they're all great, but you know, I mean, like there's some things that are, but you have to, you have to push some boundaries if you're going to do this kind of work. And uh, I think it's great. You guys have the courage to push those boundaries, both creatively and in terms of narrative. So again, thank you so much for being with us. Zap, thanks so much for uh, for making this happen for us. We really appreciate it, mate. And of course, uh, what we normally do at the end of the show is we just uh, point people to where they can find out more information if they're interested. If people want to follow up, obviously, you I mean, they can watch the series on uh on netflix but is there any is there a website or is anywhere that uh or they go to to the studio um to blur or what's the best way to
4: you know there's going to be something that's coming out that's going to be a really great way to follow up it's uh we 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 worked on a on an art book the art of love the same robots oh nice that's going to cover, that's going to cover all three seasons um it's a little lost in in uh transit <laughs> uh because of all these uh these issues but uh when it comes out i think it's going to be pretty spectacular at the end we 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 made a point to to write the names of every like every person that worked on the show and there's three thousand names and and, That's and we're, we're really uh, impressed by that and and um i think it's going to be a great uh, book and a great way to you know, to just kind of keep the keep the thirst going until hopefully the volume four.
0: And Zap, if people wanted to follow up with you on some of the uh, insights you have on the your sort of domain area of expertise in rendering, is there a, other than obviously going to your company's website, is there anywhere they can go?
3: Uh, they can stalk me on Twitter. Uh, I'm Master Zap on Twitter. And if they want to stalk me for completely other reasons than rendering, I'm Zap Anderson on Twitch. Two S's in Anderson, where I do completely non-rendering things. Take you do musical things. I do musical things, yes.
0: Which is a good segue to our other musical uh, expert, in addition to being a brilliant director and a technical guy. Uh, Jason, where can people follow up with you?
2: Uh, can you write my, my press kit, please? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, you can be my hype man. Uh, 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 just uh, the diamondbros.com. Um, or our new virtual production stage in in uh, Brooklyn Zero Space dot co.
0: And uh, Matt,
1: yeah, I'm just uh, every all my stuffs at mattwallen.com dot com and um, uh, my other podcast, the eighty one eleven podcast. Where this week I think I've got John Burton uh, up there, visual effects supervisor John Burton.
0: Yeah, who also starred in
1: uh, um, Men in Black
0: too. Men in Black, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well <laughs> uh, half of him did.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just his top half. <laughs>
0: and of course, uh if you're listening to this you probably already know that I'm at FX Guide, but thanks guys uh so much. And I guess we should leave you with the quote from uh Ep One of Series One, right? Which is Are you scared now? Thanks guys. Bye. If you have any questions or comments, please
1: email us at the at FXguide.com. Copyright FX
3: Guide LLC.